You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Yale Strom's life credits are many. Here are just a few. He has composed original music for theater, film, and television, and his musical compositions have been performed by many orchestras. He is a professor and artist-in-residence in the Jewish Studies program at San Diego State University and has 15 CDs to his credit. Today, we're going to talk about his latest, Shimmering Light. Yale, along with Elizabeth Swartz, co-producer of the project, are my guests on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Well, Yale and Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast this afternoon. It's, uh, it's an honor to get to chat with you folks. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Greg. Thank you. Hey, you're yeah, welcome. We're looking forward to it. So we've got, um, uh, you've got a, a neat, interesting new CD project that we want to talk about, but I thought if you don't mind, uh, if we jump back just a little bit, Yale, give me um, a little bit of background about yourself. I know you've uh, done a lot of neat things and been playing music for a while, and so maybe for some of the folks who, who don't know who you are yet, let's give them a, a little bit about who you are, and then we'll, we'll move into the new CD. Okay, well, uh, my name is Yale Strom, and I've been uh, an artist for many decades now, working in both uh, film, uh, music, theater, photography, and literature. And um, uh, people can, you know, find me on the web, just yalestrom.com, right. and read about the books, etc. I've done a lot of work, uh, specifically looking at and exploring. Um, Jewish culture in uh, Eastern Europe, uh-huh. uh, as well as Roma culture in Eastern Europe, and specifically looking at the folk music of the two peoples and how they, um, you know, came together uh, sometimes. And and uh, so I was initially interested in the music, per se, the notes, the music, the scales, etc. But then I really became more interested in the culture of the music, uh, mm-hmm. what makes the people uh, play a certain way, and and their travels, and other how do they get along, don't get along with their their neighbors, etc. Mm-hmm. So um, and I'm specifically talking about klezmer music, K L E Z M A R, um, but it expanded to other folk musics of um, of Eastern Europe, and uh, so a lot of my work has focused on some aspect of these cultures, Jewish culture, Roma culture, in these regions. Um, but I've expanded. I've done work in the Balkans and stuff about Western Europe, et cetera. And, um, but I guess that's what kind of brings me to why I'm speaking to you. Why the klezmer? What, what was it about that that fascinated you? Well, um, it's... Uh, it's the music of the the Jews that we call Ashkenazim, Central and Eastern European Jews. Um, you know, every fo- every culture has folk music, so this is the folk music of these particular Jews, where my family comes from. It lives this as well. Um, several gen- generations they have come. You know, before we all come from somewhere in the Middle East as Semites but uh, definitely many hundreds of years in Central and Eastern Europe. 
And um, music is a very important part of anybody's culture. It is an identifying mark. And so I was curious about this music. I grew up with Jewish music in the home, in the synagogue, singing songs, hearing some music on on the records, and as I said, going, you know, hearing uh, various tunes and for various Jewish holidays. Um, but I became more interested in it um, when the revival, so to speak, when mm-hmm. American young Jews had been playing bluegrass or jazz, right. you know, had been playing everything but their own folk music, kind of were confronted by non-Jews saying, hey, well, what about your own folk music? You right, know, yeah. What, what is it? And slowly but surely from the mid-70s onwards, several bands, several people were doing research and got interested in it. And um, and being a violinist and just loving all kinds of music, um, I got interested. I was going to join, I wanted to join a, a, a klezmer band in San Diego, and um, it just didn't work out, you know. They right. didn't need another violinist, whatever. And so that really was kind of the impetus. I said, well, okay, I, I, instead of joining, I'll form my own band. But I wanted to form it with some unique repertoire that would not be as easily found here in the United States, right. even in the archives. And that was perhaps melodies, tunes that are unknown to us because they're only in the memories of those yeah. few Holocaust survivors or even Roman musicians who remember them, right. or maybe some uh, archives we don't know about in Eastern Europe. And so that was it. That was a kind of a simple, you know, yeah, yeah. trajectory. I I just bought this one-way ticket and began the <laughs> research, and of course, many decades later, I've, you know, have um, done many other things, but that was kind of it. I was curious about knowing more about my own culture, right. where my grandparents come from and great-grandparents. And the music was the uh, portal into which I sort of became obsessed with knowing more about Yiddish culture. Do you find that it it, it um, is sort of still contained within the the Jewish culture, even in this country, or is that style of music starting to to bleed out into uh, other cultures and and other influence other styles of music now? Oh, it definitely has uh, bled out, so to speak, as you say. Um, Let's take Europe, for example. Um, in the last 20 years, 25 years, for example, um, Roma music has become much more popular, particularly Roma music from the Balkans. It has a very uh, uh, strong rhythm, mm-hmm. strong sounds, because it's, uh, it's pushed by tuba, trombones, and trumpets. So uh, young people, you know, because young people help, push culture along and what they buy, what they like, what they attend, right. uh, kind of sets a certain tone for, for the society at large uh, during that time. And so Roma, so this music had elements of klezmer music. Uh, some of it was klezmer melodies. Um, of course, just the revival of klezmer itself, there were many non-Jews, forget about the Jews, Jews who sort of decided to rediscover their roots. But non-Jews are saying, wow, this is interesting mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. about uh, people that my parents or grandparents or great-grandparents talked about, um, whether in a positive way or sadly in a negative way. Uh, and they obviously had more than just a little influence. They had maybe a great influence right. on my particular community, my village, my town, my city mm-hmm. in many ways. So who are these people? And um, they... So the... These young Gentiles in Germany, uh, Poland, uh, 
France, even parts of Italy, and then, of course, you know, the rest of Eastern Europe, who became interested in this kind of uh, exotic culture for them. It was an exotic mm -hmm. of, a, okay. of people that's not really here that much, or very few of them are here. And, of course, in the United States as well. Um, I would say it's actually more integrated in Europe because it's more of a European music. It's uh, the, the roots of it are Semitic, Middle Eastern, and, and then the European sounds. Where in America, it's definitely something that was came from across the ocean. Jews mm -hmm. brought it with them, mm -hmm. as well as uh, Slavs and so forth. And uh, and you do hear it. I mean, you hear there was a period of time in the 20s to the 40s where Jewish composers and musicians and African-American composers and musicians and lyricists were sometimes combining the two elements of their genres into the into what we might some might call Yiddish swing okay. or yeah. jazz melodies that had um, Jewish lyrics uh, in, in terms of about Jewish culture, often humorous, but being sung by and written by um, African Americans like Cab Calloway, for right, example, sure, or, yeah. or Slam uh, Slim Galliard, for example. Right. So um, it has become more popular. Um, is it a mainstream music, folk music genre? No, but you hear it. You hear it now on television and films and sure. podcasts and wherever young people get popular culture. Anybody gets popular culture. Sure. Um, so it's not so unusual. Um, but you know, we're still trying to always enlighten the public who says, right, yeah. "I've never heard the word," but but I like the music. It sounds intriguing interesting well and I, I appreciate you you bringing that point to light because in in the americana genre you know we uh the the early settlers coming into the country and then and then moving into the mountains and you know we have the the bluegrass and the folk and string music kind of coming from that but then you also have that music being influenced by the african-american slave community in the earlier days and and why not also that music being influenced by the jewish community coming into this country as well and so so really kind of the americana bluegrass music is is sort of a big melting pot of all of the cultures kind of being extracted even if it wasn't consciously uh, you know people hearing music on the streets or in the fields or wherever it may have been coming from and when they sat down to create their own music they're being influenced and don't even realize it so um i, right, I appreciate right. the connection well, think, to there right well i think a lot of americans who love what they call the uh, in the american songbook you know the great tunes from the 20s right. to the 40s so many, uh, a large majority of them written by Jews, whether they wrote the music or they wrote the music and the lyrics. Right, okay. And, you know, it's, um, and, and they took uh, certain keys, uh, minor keys in particular, certain kind of notation structure that people just take for granted as part of the American folk music. Right, right. Jews right. bring it, but of course... Jews are, I mean, uh, you know, Gentiles and everybody else in between love these songs. Uh, sure, you know, yeah. are the, some of the most popular songs in the world. I mean, yeah. I, I tell my students the most recorded song in the world, the most recorded song in the world is a song written by two Jews. It's called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's been recorded more yeah, times than any, yeah. <laughs> more languages, yeah. more than, you know, any national anthem of the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we won't talk about all the... Jewish influences and, and just the cultural uh, parts about in terms of the lyrics, but so yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe Klezmer hasn't really influenced directly, right? But, a, 
American roots, but certainly Jewish culture has. Sure, yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, some of your students. I, um, do I understand correctly that if if not presently, you also did uh, some time teaching at Yale? Is that right? <laughs> no, no, that's my namesake, Yale. No, I taught at NYU. NYU, okay, I'm uh, sorry, right. NYU, right. Yeah. And, I, and I currently teach. I currently teach at San Diego State University. Okay. All right. I, 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 easy to make the 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 faux pas there, but I, I remember you telling me that you were doing some instruction too. So um, that's cool. Um, so to kind of bring it full circle, you have a new record that's um, uh, uh, holiday. I, I suppose we'll call it Hanukkah. Obviously, being a Jewish holiday, but but out kind of in the summertime. What what was the the motivation for that? Well, uh, the motivation to do this recording with our label ARC uh, really was from Elizabeth. I'll let her jump in here now. Uh, um, I, I, I certainly have a lot of creative ideas, and I'll talk about those, but the motivation came from Elizabeth. Well, to be honest, I think every recording artist gets to a certain point after the third, fourth, fifth, I think in our case, 13th, release where you say it's time to do my Christmas album, <laughs> but we all celebrate Christmas, so... <laughs> right, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's actually not entirely untrue. In fact, that, that really was one of the major motivating factors, but I was just listening to one of my uh, favorite world music um, stations, when they were, you know, right around Hanukkah, and I thought, wow, you know, these are wonderful songs, and I think some of these recordings are, you know, maybe 20 years old. So I thought, wow, I think it's time. Mm -hmm. It's about time for someone to put out a, a new recording. So uh, those were those were factors, but to be honest, we had also, along the road, met so many of these wonderful musicians who aren't part of our you know, daily ensemble, mm -hmm. Yelstrom and Hapastrami. And um, we really wanted to work with them. And so we had separately been thinking about how could we do a recording that was all strings and vocals. And those those two separate streams sort of came together in this one idea. Are are these original songs, or or were these songs that are you mentioned earlier songs that had been uh, in the community for a while, or is it a combination of both? What's what's the uh, what's the theme of the of the songs on the record? Well, it, the songs are all songs uh, to celebrate, commemorate the festival of Hanukkah. Right. Okay. And. Um, you know, which is a festival around issues of persecution, um, resistance, and freedom, which, you know, is really not a seasonal um, right. <laughs> construct. <laughs> right. And um, so some of the songs are hundreds and hundreds of years old, okay. coming from communities in the Middle East, and uh, Jewish communities in the Balkans and the Iberian Peninsula, in uh, and moving throughout history up until uh, our final song on the CD, which is an original, brand new song. Um, 
but many of some of these songs, I would say, are short um, or really have their structural um, composed line. And we are always very heavy on improvisation, hmm. but just on all of our recordings. But what Yale did specifically with this was really create formal arrangements, sometimes composing um, ancillary material to make the songs fuller and longer and give us more of a pad for exploring, which we do. Mm -hmm. Are are these songs that you... um, are you going to be playing them or touring with this uh, specifically, or do these get mixed into the other things that you do? How, how will you be presenting this to the listening audience? Well, ideally, we'd love to tour uh, playing, you know, all the tunes on this uh, album with the band, and and we hope that we have uh, played a couple times. Uh, what we just recently did in San Diego, we played a full concert with them, uh, and also in Germany. We we played with the the ensemble, um, but some of the tunes, yeah, they're just good tunes, um, and uh, we'd be silly not to play them. I, 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 a good song is a good song. It can't just be played for you know the four weeks that we consider the holiday right. season. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I will definitely play many of them at different times of, of the year, uh, and and hopefully with members of this of. Um, the, uh, you know, as we call it, the Broken Consort, Yale Strong's Broken Consort, but even with Hapastrami, you know. Um, so, yeah, so we'll definitely be playing these uh, around the world <clears throat> for as long as we keep playing music. And are these performed in, in Yiddish or American or a combination? When, when you do them live, will they be all in a, in a native yeah. tongue? Yeah. All of the above, yes. Uh, okay. I mean, so songs are, the original lyrics of some songs are in, are in Yiddish, and so Elizabeth sings in Yiddish. Some are in Ladino, which is a, the language of the Jews of the Iberian and North African uh, region, and she sings those, and then there's a song in Hebrew, and there's some in English as well. So uh, she sings in all those languages. Um, so there's one original song called A Fool Over Yonder, uh, in English, just like the title is, uh, a a Hanukkah song with very, uh, uh, very broader themes. Broader themes. Broader, <laughs> yeah, broader themes dealing with society, dealing with uh-huh. politics, dealing with our communities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. And then there's uh, there's actual one instrumental piece that I composed, kind of a, a you could call it sort of a tone poem called Bashir Me's More, and that means, you know, into celebration of song, and um, I'm very proud of. And so uh, so those are the two original pieces, and as Melissa said, I've added, I added some, a number of uh, parts to many of the tunes, and of course, then everyone brings their own creativity, because they, the, the improvisation really goes all over the place, from mm, okay. bluegrass to classical to jazz, swing, to uh, Middle Eastern, to Klezmer, to Hasidic. Um, so uh, I think that's, it's a real treat for the listener. Uh, I, I don't think people will get bored. I'm, I'm almost positive they won't. Yeah. Well, that's every, always our goal. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because every, every, exactly. every tune is very unique, and, and the artist brings something um, 
special to it. So yeah. uh, we're very well, proud of that. If I, you know, I just want to add that, with the exception of one person in the ensemble, we're all Americans, and we grew up here, and we have, um, you know, our musical frame of reference that comes from growing up in the United States. So right, right. Uh, you hear all those different elements is, you know, very specifically the people on this recording are not strictly uh, Eastern European or Middle Eastern musicians. I mean, we're, we're really heavily steeped in um, bluegrass and jazz and blues and, and um, Texas swing mm-hmm. and these yeah. other elements that are, are really distinctly American. So, you know, we can't separate our own identities. In, in fact, we wanted to celebrate our own identities um, in exploring this because I think that's a very American experience. Sure. I mean, yeah. this is you go you go to Europe, which I think, or you know, travel around the world, which I think more Americans, frankly, should do. <laughs> and you know, you find yourself in a town sitting in a house that's about 500 years older than your country, and yeah. you realize how much how young we are and how much we have to grow and, and, and learn about the many cultures that make us American. Yeah. I mean, unless you're Native American, your family came from somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, where did, where did the term broken consort come from? Consort? Yeah. How, how did that, how did that well, become the name of the, of the group? <laughs> right. Well, I was thinking. Um, you know, I was I was looking at the the uh, the ensemble that I had put together, and it was you know strings and plectrum instruments, and um, so I was just looking, you know, one of my books, and I you know to see what that uh, what is the musical term, and it's called the consort. Then I was re- reading further. Um, they said there's a term not often used, but was used in in the you know uh, Baroque period and, and then Renaissance period of classical music in in Europe mm-hmm. with the broken consort and and that just means so you here you have all these instruments are the same so you have the strings same family and, same family and you have the plectrum which are strings too just played differently mm-hmm. than with the bow and what broke the the, the continuity was the voice. Mm, so really, okay. it's Elizabeth's voice. It, it's the, <laughs> yes, my destructive voice. <laughs> right, okay. the, broken, the broken voice, right. So, you know, I, it just kind of had a cool ring to it. Sure, you yeah. Know, what, you know, anybody who names it, a, 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 you know, anyone who gives a title to anything is always why, you know. Sometimes it's just simply because you, right, yeah. you, you like how it sounds. Yeah. And, but the, not only do I like the, the sound, but it, but it does define the ensemble uh, truthfully and accurately. Well, we also... You know, we were also attracted to sort of the implication of of breaking up something formal, yeah, and uh, being a little disruptive, um, injecting a little surprise into it. So it it just it, it seemed like one of those moments where all the spheres came into alignment, and yeah. it was just yeah. the right name. Yeah. I mean, because some people will recognize a couple of the Hanukkah songs. I'm, I'm sure wherever they are, whether American Jews or Israelis or European Jews or whatever. Um, but as Elizabeth just said, but 
we they're, they're, the melody is traditional, but that's all that's traditional about it because mm, okay. of how I arranged it and, and the improvisation. So there'll be a piece that you say, oh, I know this tune, and all of a sudden, like, what? You know, a, a viola takes it out into left field, and then yeah. in comes the oop and takes it somewhere else. So that so we 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 certainly have broken the tradition on every single tune that's on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I spent some time listening to it, and I, I really appreciate what you did with it. I, I'm not real familiar with um, that style of music, but I found it uh, fun to listen to, and I could feel the um, the Americana flavors sneaking in and, and the the different treatment of the string instruments. And, and so I, I, I think that um, it, it certainly lends itself to be um, uh, entertaining to a broader audience than just the, the ethnic groups that uh, may know the songs, you know, as, as they were. But um, uh, really um, wish you guys well with it. I, I think, uh, in case we haven't mentioned the name, the name is uh, Shimmering Lights and um, folks can can get it now. Is it out already or not out yet? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not yet. Just out, and it's on the Arc ARC label out of England, and they can you know available wherever you would get a hard CD or yeah. stream yeah. it. Or stream it. <laughs> and yeah. if just folks wanted like to learn more about uh, you, Yale, or the or the group itself, or your music, what's the best way to find you on the web? What's web addresses or all that uh, kind of good my stuff? Name, uh, you know, Yale Strom, Y-A-L-E-S-T-R-O-M dot com. Great. And uh, emails there and all the information on what we're doing. And uh, my website will connect to Elizabeth's. Hers is um, voice of klezmer, all three words, V-O-I-C-E-O-F, klezmer, K-L-E-Z-M-E-R dot com. Cool. So either her website or my website, and they connect, and they can learn about yeah, Yale Strom's or Broken Concert, Shimmering Lights, and, and and other CDs that we've done previously, and and future recordings. This is not our last. Yeah, good. I'm already good. thinking new ones, um, but we're very proud. He just heard me knocking wood. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're yeah. Uh, we're proud of this one, and um, people have heard it live. Uh, certainly have enjoyed it and um so we hope that all the listeners to this podcast will uh, go out and stream at least one tune if not all 10 tunes yeah for sure well well thank you all very much this has been uh neat learning about it and and uh, i feel like i got some history lesson along with it so that's uh, always helpful too to, to f- feel like i've learned something new from folks like you guys so thank you very much and we wish you the best with it thank you greg thanks We'll keep in touch. Thank you so much for your efforts. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 